0: Why do we tell this story? At first take, it is an awfully unflattering story to include in the gospel. You'd think maybe the editors would have considered leaving this one out, or, or maybe at least streamlining it a little bit so that Jesus doesn't come off sounding quite so much like a jerk starts off fine he's he's looking for some quiet time away from all these crowds that solitude is so tough to come by though that he's trekked all the way to this other region to tire it's a town up on the Mediterranean coast uh, of Lebanon some 60 miles from his last stop of teaching and healing and causing a ruckus by the Sea of Galilee. Sixty miles, at least for most of us, I'm looking at you there in the back, Scott, 60 miles is a lot on foot. That's a real commitment for most folks uh, to getting away from it all. But when he finally arrives, Jesus tries to hide out, alone in a house, and it doesn't last. Somehow, this woman gets wind that he has arrived. This unnamed Syrophoenician woman is as other from Jesus as you could imagine. Not only is she a woman, she is also of another ethnicity and another religion. And we can guess that she is also poor. Caring for a daughter who is overcome by a demon as she puts it, likely means that they have been relegated to the edge of society, scraping to get by. And now, contrary to everything she has been taught by her culture and her community, she she senses that Jesus could change all that. And she comes to beg his help. Jesus, in turn, calls her suffering daughter a dog. She asks him for help, and he calls her little girl a dog. Sit with that for a moment. Imagine the sting, the crushing weight of his words. Not only is he insisting that his care is only for the people of Israel, he's also seeing that he sees her, sees her daughter as no more than a scavenging pest. So here's our Messiah throwing slurs at a mother, pleading for her daughter's healing. Again, I ask, why do we tell this story? And uncomfortable as it is, I want to pause there. Let the story and the why linger for a little bit while we consider another scenario, a scenario from today that maybe isn't so different. It's one where I find that more and more we are closed off with walls built high and disgust thrown freely. Whether in op-eds or in line at the grocery store or certainly in the murky waters of social media, people are angry and sad and tired and frustrated and lots more all about the vaccine situation in our country. Some people are filled with all these emotions because those who could get vaccinated are choosing not to. And at the same time, others have all these same feelings because it seems like they're being pressured to get a vaccine that they don't want to get. Now, to be clear, I do think that the vaccine is safe and well studied and our best route to ending this whole mess. I would love to talk with anyone who's on the fence. And, and, the animosity, the, the victory all even on both sides is staggering. Sometimes it seems as if we've moved from fighting the virus to fighting and, and maybe discarding our sisters and brothers, those we disagree with, in a way that I fear may have consequences just as sweeping as the virus itself. No matter where you stand, it's not difficult to hear someone muttering Essentially, about the dogs on the other side, what they may or may not deserve. Back to this problematic gospel of ours. Many have argued that Jesus is testing this woman, creating a situation where she must claim her faith. I don't buy it. He's tired. He wants to be alone and he lashes out. This woman is already bent down in front of him when his biting words fall. Perhaps she buckles further. Maybe she fights the onslaught of weeping, rising up in her throat. But ultimately, she straightens up and she raises her voice And she speaks her truth. Call me a dog, if you will, Jesus. But remember that even the dogs get to eat something. Clever and bold, she is insisting that his scope is too narrow. She's teaching him that he has come not just for Israel, but for all God's people. He's come even for her, even for her daughter. And having called them both dogs, the the bitter taste of that cruelty still in his mouth, Jesus stops. I wonder how much time passes, the two of them looking in each other's eyes. He hears her. He is open, he changes. He extends compassion to this person who moments before had seemed completely separated from him. Thorny as it is, I think we tell this story because it's real. We tell it because he is fully human, because he grows and changes and is pulled to love beyond the boundaries that he had been raised to believe were hard and fast. I think we tell this story because being changed is where our real hope exists and we need to see how it's done, see that even God is willing to be humbled and taught, that even God can be opened by the other and moved to compassion. Friends, this, t- this This change is on the table for us. The choice to be opened up is a real option, to be opened up to love, to act with compassion, no matter how we got in this situation. I was talking with a friend who works in public health last week about the whole vaccine conundrum and just how polarized it has become. I, I myself was angry, and I wondered about what might change behavior or shift choices. I think I was hoping that she would bless my frustration, but instead she, she responded with another take. Carmen acknowledged that, that, yeah, it did not have to be this way. And then she reminded me that it is this way now. And she said, she said, we can only get through it together because the virus doesn't care. We are the ones who have to care. The white hot fury won't get us there no matter how confident we are that we're right. And that's where this gospel comes as a gift, if maybe it may feel like an unwelcome one. It's the gift that we get to change our minds, that we can say we're sorry, that we can decide to change. It's not forced, it's not coerced, but the change is welcome. Jesus shows us that it's just fine to have been taught one thing and then upon receiving new information, encountering new empathy, to try a new way. He models how it's done. How even if it's rocky and tense at first, we can still land with grace. We can still choose to end up in compassion. But this can only happen if we're willing to be opened to that unknown, to possibility, to the maybe terrifying reality that we could change. I want to close by offering you the words of a great writer and theologian, Debbie Thomas, as she reflects on this gospel story. Because for For me, it reads as a prayerful charge for all of us. She writes, be opened. Be opened to the truth that God isn't done with you yet. Be opened to the destabilizing wisdom of people who are nothing like you. Be opened to the voice of God speaking from places you consider unholy. Be opened to the widening of the table. Be opened to good news that stretches your capacity to love. Be opened.